Hey everybody, this is Adam, host of the podcast you're listening to. Did you know, even after all of these years, the Conspiracy the Show podcast has not had any merch? No merchandise, like none at all. And today, that changes. For a very limited time, if you head to unpops.co slash shop, you can be one of the first to get your hands on the all-new Conspiracy the Show Redacted Document Shirt. Finally, the hosts of your favorite conspiracy theory podcast find themselves exactly where they belong, named in a heavily redacted government document, but one you can wear on your chest. The first run of shirts is available for a very limited time. Sales end November 30th. After that, they might be available again at some point, but not for the low, low price you can get them for right now. And of course, part of the reason we're ending the sales so early is so we can get them out to you in time for Christmas. Hopefully. So get one for you and get one for a friend. The Conspiracy the Show Redacted Document T-Shirt. Available now for a limited time. Go to unpops.co slash shop to get yours now. Thanks. We love you. Let's get back to the show. Welcome to Conspiracy, the show, the world's most trusted conspiracy theory podcast, with your hosts, Adam Todd Brown and Olivia Haidar. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a rip-roaring good time and episode of Conspiracy the Show. I'm Adam Todd Brown. Who are you? I'm Olivia Haidar. That makes us your hosts. Olivia, how's it going? Uh, it goes. It goes. Uh, you know, except fall, fall energy. I'm enjoying it, which is nice. Pretty cold where you are? It is. It has been really cold, which is actually kind of a nice change. Like, it hasn't been getting cold, like very cold in November recently, so... It's been L.A. cold where I am, meaning it was 51 when I got up this morning. But I also like when L.A. gets this way. I like jacket weather. Yeah. I like layers. I'm a big guy. I need to cover up. I I know what you mean. (laughs) (laughs) This This is the weather for it. We are talking about a thing today that's kind of a continuation of this week's episode of Unpopular Opinion. We did an episode of Unpops this week that was about news stories that are not getting the attention they deserve, Mm -hmm. which is understandable. There's a lot going on in the world. I get it. One of those stories that we covered, though, was about this ABC News producer named James Gordon Meek, Mm -hmm. who back in April was raided by the FBI and has essentially fallen off the face of the planet since then. The Daily Mail, of all outlets, did manage to track him down and confirm that he's alive. But if you go look at his Twitter, he hasn't tweeted anything since April 27th, which is the day of the FBI raid. He Mm -hmm. was working on a book that has since scrubbed his name from any mention on the cover, any promotional stuff. It's very strange. And what's interesting about this documentary that we're going to cover is it's the last thing he released. Yeah. And there's another producer on it, a guy named Brian Epstein, not the Beatles' Brian Epstein. This is a different Brian Epstein. He also abruptly quit his job at ABC News. Hmm. And when Hmm. Rolling Stone reached out to him about James Gordon Meek, he only said, I'm not commenting on that story. And hung up the phone. Cool. But at the same time, having watched all of this documentary, I don't get the sense that this is what would have gotten him in trouble with the government. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, it it probably didn't help. (laughs) Probably not. Yeah. But for one thing, after he vanished, the Department of Justice issued a statement because the FBI is not going to say anything. They're right take is just going to be that it's an active investigation. But the Department of Justice issued a statement that 
I'm paraphrasing, but they were like, hey, reminder, we passed a law last year that says the feds cannot seize a reporter's records, even if they contain classified information, mm-hmm. provided that reporter obtained them in the course of his or her job. So mm-hmm. what the Department of Justice was essentially saying was, yeah, we raided this guy, but it's not because of what he was doing as a reporter. Uh-huh. That makes a lot of sense. I don't know. Like, I, here's what it could also be. It could be, yeah, we didn't raid him specifically because of his work, right. but we raided him because of his work. We just, like, right. we couldn't go in and say, hey, we don't like what you're about to report on the Biden administration and Afghanistan, which is what that book that was coming out was about. Right. Like, they can't explicitly raid the guy for that. But it is the kind of thing that could make them angry enough that they would go looking for a reason to raid this guy. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, like, and it's also that, you know, the uh, Brian Epstein is also being cagey about it, too. And so it does seem like it actually is related to his reporting, even if they're saying it can't be. Well, the thing about it being related to his reporting, though, is ABC has a huge legal team and it actually is not against the law to report on classified material. Like if you're in charge of it, you can't release that classified material without getting in trouble. But once it falls into a reporter's hands, it's not illegal to report on that shit. So ABC news, you would think if this raid happened because of a story he was working on, you would think their legal team would swing into action and defend this guy. And they're mm-hmm. they're not saying shit. ABC yeah. has not said anything. They All they said is he abruptly quit for personal reasons. Right. But that was like six months ago now. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like there's a lot more to that story that we still don't know. Like we need to... There's going to be more that comes out about this, it feels like. But he's definitely that type of reporter. Mm. If you were compiling a list of reporters who would probably be offed by the government in some manner at some point, he'd be on the list for sure. sure. If you look into the kind of things he's reported on, like he covered a story at one point about a soldier who was it turned out was killed by like a member of his own unit Mm -hmm. but initially the government blamed it on like isis or whatever sure and he ended up in a face-to-face meeting with obama over that story which yeah i bet that's the point where obama stops being the party president that you want (laughs) to follow you on twitter right exactly starts starts being real that was my obama by the way that was it was great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You should uh, put that on your SNL reel. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I have an SNL reel. Right. And of course, they would want you to play Obama. <laughs> I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. They had Fred Armisen playing Obama for God, yeah, that was quite a while. <laughs> yeah, that was choice. a weird choice. But this documentary, it's another one of those stories. It does indeed cover some government malfeasance for Mm -hmm. sure and it's the kind of thing this is one of those documentaries that the really anti-conspiracy theory crowd needs to watch right because you can't you can't just trust the government all the time that's crazy there's absolutely not absolutely no cause for that given history all of recorded history There is no reason to trust the government all the time. And this is a documentary about how the government fucking lies sometimes. And they do it even in cases where like these are these are just dudes who were trying to serve their country, man. Yeah, they definitely these guys got fucked over and like the government lied and really uh, did a number to these to the families of these guys. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a weird it's a weird story. I'd not heard about this at all. I don't think I knew that much about this either. Like, it happened in 2017, for one thing. Yeah. Which, a lot of stuff going on that year. Yeah, that's that's prime Trump era. Like, anything yeah. that didn't involve getting Trump out of office, I was like, I don't fucking care. I don't have time for this <laughs> shit right yeah. now. Aliens? Are they going to vote Trump out? Then I don't care. Right. But the documentary, it's on Hulu. It's called 3212 Unredacted. 
And prior to being raided by the FBI, James Gordon Meek was pushing this for like Emmy consideration. Yeah. And it is, it's a tearjerker. That's for sure. It is. It's got, it's got its emotional moments that are often tinged with weirdness, I would say. Yeah. It's one of those things where there's, there's stuff you, you want to make fun of kind of because Mm -hmm. this is a comedy podcast, but at the same time, it's like, oh man, maybe not this time. I mean, sure. Yeah. It's, it's a bummer. Obviously, like you never want anyone to be killed younger or whatever, but it's such an interesting glimpse into a certain subsection of America and our values with regards to the military and service and what these things mean and the nature of our mission abroad yeah uh, which i find really interesting which the documentary doesn't really it doesn't explicitly interrogate but just by the nature of the story that it's telling, you can't help but wonder about these things, about like, especially about our mission, like what we're doing in these places and, you know, why we're sending people where we're sending them and that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, speaking of things happening during the Trump era that we didn't pay enough attention to, I would always tell people when the Mueller probe was happening that anytime a really big story comes down in that look around at the headlines and see what else is happening in one case all of these indictments came down the same time we were basically lobbying congress to extend that authorization that lets us just do war in the middle east in the name of fighting Mm -hmm. terrorism pretty much unchecked we wanted to extend that to africa also yeah and i don't think it passed but also The fact that it didn't pass had nothing to do with the public objecting to it because the public didn't fucking know it was happening because no one reported on it. No one talked about it like it was just a blip on the radar. But it raises the same questions that even the families in this documentary raise, which is one of them just straight up says, I didn't know we needed troops in Africa. And it's like, (laughs) it's because we don't. That's right. That's why. There you go. That's why you didn't know that. Yeah. And the reasons that the military officials in this documentary give for us, for like our presence in Niger uh, are not, I mean, like kind of not great. I Like just that, like something about like, what was it? Like 90% of the foreign soldiers in the Middle East are from the area covered like northern africa yeah right cover northern africa but like but that doesn't tell you how many people that represents because we don't know the number of foreign soldiers are that are brought into yeah. the middle east so yeah they could mean saying, 11 of the 12 and it's like well right. we don't need troops there probably exactly that's kind of what like that's what i'm saying like there's so much justification and none of it really makes sense and it resulted in these guys being put in a fucked up situation that got them killed yeah it covers the ambush killing of four american special forces troops by isis militants in niger which i always Mm. pronounced niger yeah i think the classic american pronunciation is niger but I think it's supposed to be Niger. Boy, does that set up some confusion when it comes to what you call people who are from Niger, which is right. Ni- Nigerians. Well, it's well, no, it's actually it's Nigeri. And then you see it's actually it, it is kind of confused. I mean, this is all uh, the fault of the French and Dutch colonists who, Correct. you know, yeah. who, who invaded this land. But the people are Nigeri, and then something belonging to the people, like they talk about the military, and that's Nigerian with an E. Right, with an E, as opposed right. to Nigerian with an Which is, a. yeah, and a per, which, who is a person from Nigeria. Nigeria, not Niger. Yeah. And I, I don't know if Nigeria is, is supposed to be pronounced Nigeria. I am hopelessly American. I can't. Yeah, yeah. 
No clue. But I don't think so. I've never heard it pronounced that way. I don't think I haven't either. So Operation Detachment Alpha, that is the name of this unit, basically. it's There's several Operation Detachment Alpha units in the military, right. and this was 3212, ODA yeah. 3212. Right. They're the 18. That's like, they literally yeah. describe them as, this is like who the 18 was based off of. Right. So this all happens in Los Angeles. Right, yeah, and the face is there, and Mr. T. Yeah, they, they put, you know, sleeping pills in Mr. T's milk to get him over right. here. Yeah, they're in their van, and then ISIS <laughs> pops out. Right. Classic stuff, classic episode. They actually, they, I think they were, in a, they were in a van or something. Like, they yeah, they like were a, in, like, Hyundai SUVs. Yeah, yeah they so, weren't, like, military yeah. vehicles. Yeah, like. Should they not be in Hummers? They're in, like, soccer mom cars that park well, themselves and things. But, but, I mean, like, that goes into, like, a, I'm sure we'll talk about a big part of this story is, like, the level of preparation that these guys had when they went out on their mission. Like, they weren't prepared for a right attack. One of the first things that comes up, they talk to the families of the four men who were killed, which were... Right. Uh, Staff Sergeant Dustin Wright, Staff Sergeant Brian Black, Sergeant First Class Jeremiah Johnson, Sergeant LaDavid Johnson. Those were the four men who were killed. Yeah. And they obviously interview their families extensively in this documentary. And one of the first things that comes up is in regards to LaDavid Johnson, where Mm -hmm. the first reports that come out are that some people were killed, but also LaDavid Johnson was maybe taken hostage by ISIS, which turned out not to be true. But that came from the military, which, if Mm -hmm. nothing else, is just kind of irresponsible. Yeah, like absolutely. They interview a guy named Mark Mitchell, who was the former assistant secretary of Mm -hmm. defense. And he says if he could find the person who delivered that initial report, this is a quote, he said he would fucking choke them. Yeah. I enjoyed that. <laughs> and yeah, you can tell he means it too. Like he's oh, really yeah. <laughs> fucking mad when he's talking about this. Yes. And I get it. Yeah. It's fucked up. And he talks about how there was just from the get go kind of a reluctance on the part of the military to tell the truth about this. I honestly yeah. feel like there's a point where they try to get these dudes killed. Mm. Because yeah. the- I know what you mean. Because the same person who orders them to go on this mission is also the same one who refuses to let other U.S. troops go in and help. Like the French end up saving us. Irony alert. Yeah. (laughs) And the same guy, like it seemed like he knew he fucked up and was like, "Eh, it might be better off if everyone just dies. Yeah. It seemed like there was a lot of ass covering going on. It was really suspicious right from the jump. James Gordon Meek appears on camera in this. Yeah, he does. It's interesting. I didn't realize at first that he was like such a creative hand behind it until things kind of got going. Yeah. Unfortunately, we never see him standing or walking because the fact that he's just sitting at a desk kind of conceals that he is a giant. He's like six, seven, I think. He. I mean, like, he looks like a big guy, even though he's seated. Like, he obviously seems, like, large, like, in physique. And so he says that he talked to Jeremiah Johnson's mother and that he told her he would find out what really happened here. Right. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One of the first real fuck faces who comes up in this mm-hmm. is a guy named Colonel Moses. Yeah. He's, I would argue, one of the two true villains in this. I mean, aside from the hundreds of ISIS troops who killed these four dudes. Sure. In the American military industrial right. complex. <laughs> right, right. Patriot Act, uh, right, you know, yeah. everything we did after 9-11. Those are all villains, exactly. too. But this Colonel Moses fuckface. Yeah, he sucks. He's a bad guy. He's the only person who suffers zero reprimands or ramifications from this. Yeah. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. He, right out of the gate, also starts delivering conflicting stories about what happened, especially, again, regarding LaDavid Johnson. Yeah. Where he first says he was in the back of the truck and the truck hit a tree and he was ejected 900 meters away. It's like, God (laughs) damn, how hard did that truck hit that tree? Right. How fast were they going? But then later he told family members that LaDavid Johnson was driving the truck that they were in. And then when you see the vehicles involved, there's no way he was in back. Because, again, it's like a Hyundai Tucson or some shit. Right. It was wild. I was not expecting to see the actual, like, they show the helmet cam footage of this attack. And it's intense. Harrowing. Yeah. Very. Yeah. And there's another guy, Will Wright, who is the brother of Staff Sergeant Dustin Wright. Mm -hmm. He was told... Dustin was killed by mortar fire. Yeah. But also he was sent to identify the body and he was former military and he had seen bodies that were killed by mortar fire. And he was like, nope, that is not how my brother died. That is not mortar fire. He was just like shot. Yeah. He said it was a man who had stood his ground and was riddled with bullets. Yeah. So... Right out of the gate, the families feel like they're being lied to. Yeah. And the next person they talk to is a pretty important character in this, Major Alan Van Son, company commander of the 3rd Special Forces Group. He was essentially the leader of this unit that carried out this mission. Like, he was responsible yeah. for training them and preparing them, which that's a very important detail later on. Right. He said he joined the army. He doesn't like explicitly say he joined the army because he watched Rambo a bunch, but he does kind of does kind of imply it. And man, what a weird take to come away from the movie Rambo with. Yeah. And yet not the weirdest reason that someone in this documentary gives for someone joining the military. There are Uh, a couple weird ones. Yeah. I would say there are two that are even like we get three and the other two are weirder. (laughs) So, but like I just the one that blew me away was the sister of Jeremiah Johnson tearfully explaining that (laughs) after after saying that he talking about what a great guy he was. He was such a a kind and gentle man and a protector. Uh, And she's like and she says and he wanted to he said he wanted to join the army to legally kill people and blow shit up. Sounds like a great guy. Yeah. And the way she says it, because she not only says that that was Mm -hmm. his reasoning and she goes and I said, okay, that works like that. (laughs) Like that wasn't a concerning thing to hear someone say at all. Yeah. Like you want to legally kill people. That would be, I would say a red flag kind of implies that there's just this burning desire to kill people Mm -hmm. inside. Yes. And the only, that's how I interpret that. Like if someone said that to me, I would be concerned for my safety. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'd be like, you know, I have plans the rest of the time until you leave for the military. Yeah. Oh, bye. Yeah. Yeah. So it that's, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> just really stuck out to be that line. And so he was the advance operations base commander in Niger, Alan Van mm-hmm. Son. I mean, right. He was there to train African soldiers because they needed to fight ISIS and Al Qaeda on our behalf and for no other reason. Yeah, exactly. That's it. I don't know about this guy. I don't know about him. He seems reasonable, but 
I don't trust him. He's got too many teeth. He's got shockingly straight teeth. Very large, like in the face. And just in general, uh, I don't know. Again, like the Rambo thing just kind of, I think, set me on edge (laughs) for the rest of the movie. It is such a weird take because it's not like the military treated Rambo well. No, that's the whole point of those (laughs) movies. (laughs) Like, how does that make you want to join the military? Yeah. And also remember. He's like, I'm here to hunt for Rambos and kill them. Remember how uh, Rambo, I think it's Rambo 3, had the title card that the movie is dedicated to the brave Mujahideen fighters of (laughs) Afghanistan? (laughs) Yes. One of the best title cards in the history of cinema. Whoopsie. (laughs) That look did not age well. And I did find the fact that they had so much video of this guy planning this mission ahead of time was interesting. I was like, I was really shocked. Because I thought that that was like a reenactment at first. And then you see David Johnson in the footage. I'm like, oh, well, this is like film quality footage that was being shot at the time. Yeah. It's really wild. David Johnson seems awesome. Yes. I mean, yeah, he's 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 the best of the bunch that we that we hear about. Yeah, there's there's Uh, this fun footage of him just chopping it up with the Nigerian soldiers, Nigeri mm-hmm. soldiers, him cutting hair. And then there's this news story. Yeah. About how he lived in Miami and how he would ride his bike from home to his, his job, but the bike only had one wheel. <laughs> yeah. It was interesting. Like, he was like a local celebrity, apparently. Yeah. Like, every, apparently, a bunch of people in his area like knew him because they would see this guy doing a permanent wheelie on his bike all the time. And there's this footage of him riding on this ledge that is right next to traffic. Yeah. On He's one very wheel. talented. It's like, God damn, that's neat. He should have joined the circus. Yeah. I wonder if he, like, just wanted to ride his bike that way. Because there had to be someone who saw that and was like, hey, well, you need a bike wheel? Like, we'll just give you a bike yeah. wheel, apparently. I, like, I don't know, like, the, the yeah, the sequence of events that kind of popped into my mind is that he had a bike and was okay at doing wheelies on it, and the wheel fell off, and instead of, you know, probably didn't have enough money to get a new bike or a new wheel, and so made the best of it, and it just became his thing, I guess. Yeah. But uh, he's interesting. He's an interesting guy. Yeah, and I I was really, there's a lot of that in this documentary, and I'm going to be honest, I fast-forwarded through some of it, because we were on a time crunch. I mean, just the part where you're getting to know the the individual soldiers who were killed, Mm -hmm. because this is the part where the sister is like, he just wanted to legally kill people and blow stuff up. And I'm like, all right, I'm trying to stay on everyone's side here. Let's just, yeah, let's just fast forward. We don't have to agree on everything to agree that look, this this is a tragic, tragic situation. I don't think what happened to these guys was good. Like, I'm not happy. Not, of course (laughs) not. This is a very sad documentary. Yeah, it's very sad. But also, (laughs) I think it's fair to say that maybe some of their some of these people's motivations may not have been pure. Right. That I think that is very safe to say. So, yeah, there's this extended section of the documentary. David Johnson gets the mention here because he was the only one riding his bike on one wheel. (laughs) So cut to five months after the gunfight in Tango Tango. That's where this happened. ISIS takes responsibility for the ambush and they release a video about it. And that video includes footage from Jeremiah Johnson's helmet camera. Yeah. And this is where the military's version of events starts to unravel. Mm -hmm. The government comes out and in front of the whole world, after this video comes out, they say that the men who were killed were part of basically an inept group that didn't train or prepare well enough to be able to deal with the situation they were in. Yeah. People weren't happy about that because it sounds a whole lot like what us lefties like to call victim blaming. (laughs) I mean, it's it's an insane stance, and it is what really makes you think there is something else going on here because there is 
It is so hard to believe that the fucking Pentagon would come out and be like, yeah, our guys sucked. They were bad. They, these guys, they, they they were just, they, you know, we, we kind of fucked up on these guys. They didn't, they weren't trained well or whatever. Like, it just is, it was such a weird statement. Yeah, the government is normally not this quick to throw veterans under the bus. Like, normally right. you have to, like come back home and try to claim medical benefits for some disability that you got while in the military. And right. then you find out they do not have your back at all. Yeah. This was immediate. Like, as soon as they died, the government was like, fuck these inept motherfuckers. Yeah. Like, we treated the Abu Ghraib guards better than we yeah. treated these fucking guys who died. And... The claim from the government is that ODA 3212 didn't follow the proper chain of command and didn't inform their commanding officers of the real intent of their mission. Basically, they're saying they were ill-prepared and they went off on a rogue mission that they weren't yeah. supposed to go on. And he says – he basically implies that if the chain of command knew what they were doing, the mission would have been planned better and more successfully and people would have lived. Right. Which ends up being the exact opposite of what actually yeah. happened. It seems it's it's just wild. I can't. I, it's it's one of the most un, like unbelievable things that happens in, yeah. in the documentary. This this uh, statement. But then there's also the USA Africa Command report. Africom mm -hmm. is the acronym mm -hmm. for it, and they release their report, and they basically say the same thing. Like, that's essentially their version of events, too, is that, yeah, they just weren't trained that well and they weren't good and they weren't supposed to be out on this mission. They went rogue. Like, yeah, I, that just that that it's so it's so insane that that's their their reasoning here is that these guys went rogue. That is such an accusation. Yeah, it's a huge accusation. And everyone who is interviewed in this is like, no, they didn't like they would yeah. not do that. And it becomes pretty clear that, no, they did not do that. That is not at yeah, all for, what happened. Because Yeah, for like, for what? For, they're like, it's because they wanted to chase this one guy down? Like, give yeah. me a fucking break. There's a million dudes just like this guy they wanted to hunt down. And a thing I found weird that they don't really touch on in the documentary, so maybe it's not as weird as it seems to me, but their claim about this being a rogue mission... There were three missions that happened in the course of this incident. And mm -hmm. what they're saying, what the government was saying was that that first mission they went on was the rogue mission. Yeah. But nothing happened. They right. didn't like that's not when the shootings happened that like none of it no. was a very uneventful thing where they just basically wasted their time driving right. to the spot and looking for someone who wasn't there. And they turned around, and went back to base. So how how was that the cause? Like that makes no sense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it doesn't make sense because it's a lie. <laughs> yeah, and so they return to base, and as they're almost back to base, they get an order from their superiors, their their high command, that they are to go to a different location where this terrorist whose name I massively misspelled in the notes, Dundu Shefu. Mm -hmm. That's who they were looking for, was this one terrorist. Mm -hmm. That is the government's claim almost immediately, is that it's confusing. Follow along at home if you can. This group went on a rogue mission looking for this guy, right. didn't find him, and then when they were coming back to base, their superiors sent them on an approved mission. To go right. look for this guy. Yeah. Which, it's, it's a strange, strange turn of events. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> because it's a lie. And what ends up happening is this other mission that they're sent on, it's going to take them like six more hours. And the team they're, like the, the Niger team that they're traveling with has been like working for 18 hours. Everyone's tired. They were prepared right. for a day trip that is now turning yeah. into an overnight mission so they don't have the necessary supplies but mm -hmm. they're supposed to just be the backup team a team is going right. to go in on helicopters first and like brrr, like shoot and blow shit up and then this backup sure. team is going to come in but weather gets really bad 
and the helicopter team is not able to fly in. So, of course, they abandon the mission altogether and everyone goes back to base. Just joking. This group is ordered to go in as the primary group instead. No backup, no helicopter cover. Yeah. And they actually have a photo of one of them on a satellite phone with their commanding officers basically saying this this is a terrible idea like we we're mm-hmm. going to die if you send us in to do this and for one thing does that sound like a team who just pulled off a rogue operation right that was so gung ho looking for this guy that they ignored chain of command to go looking for him and now when their superiors are saying <laughs> go look for him they're like no 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 Bad idea. I don't want to do it. Yeah. Well, they're so rogue. They want to do whatever the opposite of their superiors want to do. Yeah. For no reason. Yeah. It makes no sense. And those objections get overruled. One of the people they end up contacting is Lieutenant Colonel Painter. He is the other really big fuck face in all of this. Yes. Moses and Painter. Moses is Painter's superior. Mm -hmm. And Painter is Alan Van Son. He is... Right. Painter is his superior. And then Alan Van Son is in charge of this unit that went on this mission. He's in charge of training and preparing them for it. So Painter tells them, no, you still got to go do it. And uh, it doesn't go well. No. It goes very badly and for some reason that part where one of them what was his name was it Perazzini was it was Captain Perazzini was the guy's name who called with his objections for some reason that part where he objected to this mission is never shared with the public it's not in the AFRICOM report that just never comes up even worse they blame him for this mission failing. Like the government comes out and says, you know, it's actually that guy's fault because he was supposed to right. be leading everyone and he it he did he did bad. He did bad. <laughs> yeah. It's nuts. Yeah, it is. This whole thing is crazy. So the way this attack happened, they went on this mission, they travel six hours, nothing happens, and again, they're coming back from they're they're heading back to the base and they stop mm. in this village called Tango Tango to get more supplies and meet up with village leaders. There's a weird claim in the documentary that the village leader like kept this meeting going longer than usual to like aid the people that pulled off this ambush. Sure. And they just yeah. like mention that and move on. So, yeah. I'm well, s- it was because like the meeting just didn't like it, they were waiting for some thing that never ended up arriving and it just happened to be long enough for there to be an ambush and waiting so yeah there was suspicion who knows it's impossible to say now at this point yeah whatever the case the convoy they're traveling in gets ambushed and they are massively outnumbered yeah and eventually most of the vehicles flee but The one carrying three of the men who were killed for some reason stays behind or otherwise gets stuck inside this kill zone. And there's video of all of this and it's harrowing. Like you see the moment where the guy who's wearing the helmet that is filming the helmet cam footage gets shot and dies. Like you see him fall. Like you only see his hands, but... Right, because it's, it's first-person perspective. Yeah, but, but it's it's intense. It's it's crazy. Terrifying. And the rest of the group is down to like 60 rounds of ammunition, and they are trapped. Mm-hmm. And this is the point where they reach out to high command and request assistance. And they, for some reason, their superiors refuse to allow American troops to go in and help. Yeah. It makes no sense. Like Nope. The only, I'm sorry, the only way it makes sense, and this obviously, like, hasn't been proven and no one's suggesting it's the case, but the only way it makes sense of it is if it's that, like, real movie villain shit where this guy's like, oh, I fucked up so bad that right. it might be in my best interest for these dudes to die so I yeah. don't lose my career. That's the vibe that I got. From all of the information presented. Yeah. Like when the guy who orders you to go in 
is also the guy who refuses to send in help. That's a bad look. That's a very bad look. And again, yeah, Mm -hmm. the the French end up being the ones who, I don't know how they got wind of this, but they just send a fighter jet in as like a show of force. Yeah. And ISIS is like, fuck, man, we're on motorcycles. We got to get the fuck out of here. This this has gotten way out of hand now. And that's all it takes. And then France goes in with helicopters and gets everyone out. Why couldn't we have done that? Yeah. Seems like very doable. And yeah, I mean, like, like you said, the only explanation seems to be that this guy first like wanted these people dead because he fucked up. Yeah. Like, I know that sounds extreme, but explain it otherwise. Like, there's no other reason to is extreme. Yeah. There's no other reason to refuse to help these men. So there's no actual evidence that they went rogue. Right. So the next question, and I didn't see this twist coming. The next question becomes, well, why were they told to keep going, even though the team raised all these concerns? And that's when James Gordon Meek mentions this third vehicle. Yeah. There was a reconnaissance team. They were supposed to be just Nigeri locals, I guess, like a Nigeri reconnaissance team. James Gordon Meek says he confirmed they were actually three CIA operatives Mm -hmm. who just happened Mm -hmm. to be based in Niger. And just just happened to be there, just conveniently there with a whole bunch of military cover that did not want to be there. Hmm. And it turns out they were the ones hunting Dondu Shefu, hoping he'd lead them to an American man who'd been kidnapped in the area. Guy named Jeffrey Woodkey, except Jeffrey Woodkey's not mentioned in any of the planning. He's not mentioned in that AFRICOM report. He's not mentioned anywhere until way, way, way later when the military's trying to justify this mission that got four dudes killed. Then they're like, oh, we we were trying to save an American. Yeah, we have no evidence that 3212 knew that this guy even existed. No. And God damn it, who were those three dudes in that Mm -hmm. car? That is an interesting question. I would like to know. And from there... The documentary just kind of it gets into like typical cover up shit. The government starts blaming people who don't need to necessarily be blamed. I still think it's weird that Alan Van Son takes the brunt of the punishment for this. Yeah, absolutely. It's he's absolutely a scapegoat. He's the guy who the government said was responsible for training these forces. And therefore, he was derelict in his duties. Right. And he gets the kind of reprimand. That ba- like he asked the guy who gives him the reprimand, like, OK, where do I go from here? And he's like, <laughs> you ain't got to go home, but you do have to yeah. get the fuck out of here. Like, <laughs> exactly. He has no future in the military at all. And yeah. this guy was in the United States when this attack happened. His <laughs> right. Yeah. Wife His was wife delivering a child. Yeah. And he finds out the morning that child is born. That this attack has happened and someone says you need to come in to work. And then at the end of the day, the government is like him. It's all his fault. It's all the guy. The guy who wasn't there or involved. It was him. It was him. Nuts. Very nuts. And meanwhile, Colonel Moses and Lieutenant Colonel Painter are never really reprimanded. Painter Mm -hmm. gets a reprimand of some sort, but he's also promoted to Colonel shortly thereafter. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't get the dismissal. He gets he just gets the reprimand. Like, right. Van Son got the reprimand that and it was like the reprimand said, like, and now now pack your shit. Yeah, please leave. Colonel Moses, meanwhile, no reprimand, no punishment, no ramifications at all. Shocker. But he's also like he was one of the people like he was the person in charge of the person who fucked all this up. Well, it's like so. I can't remember who who in the documentary was. One of the family members said, "Like, why did the buck? Uh, why did the buck stop with this? What with him? Like, why? Why? Like, what's the point of the chain of command if the people at the very top aren't getting in trouble yeah. for making bad decisions? Yeah, no one who made these the decisions here got in any trouble. It's a really depressing documentary. It is. It's but- also very depressing that uh, the. Uh, Will Wright, the brother of one of the guys who died in the wake of this, 
decides to re-enlist in the military at age 33. Yeah. And obviously his parents are like very against the idea and they don't want that. Like they're like, this is pointless and it is. And like, it just seems like he wants revenge and that's really a fucked up reason to join the military. Does it seem like he wants revenge or does it seem like he wants to die? Because there is that scene where he talks about how his brother died and he literally says, I'm jealous. Like, yeah, he says as a warrior, that's how I want to die. And it's like, oof, this is this is dark. There's no reason those aren't mutually exclusive. I mean, <laughs> true, you know, th- true. Like they they could very well both be true. But like he definitely seen like just the fact that he specifically says I'm not doing this for revenge kind of makes me think he's doing it for revenge. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it is a shocking documentary. But I'm also pretty sure this isn't what got James Gordon Meek disappeared because for one thing you'd think the government would have done something to try and stop it Mm -hmm. uh, as opposed to like being all reactionary about it but the fact that that other abc news producer who worked on this also quit and just like hasn't been seen since i don't know like it it doesn't really bring up anything that the biden administration would want to disappear this guy over but it does bring up things that the american government as a whole right might have a problem with and he was about to get off into reporting on things the biden administration would have a huge problem with right being the yeah his reporting on the withdrawal from afghanistan which he was a week away from accepting an award for his reporting on that so who knows (laughs) yeah i mean that i Obviously adds a entire weird dimension uh, to this whole documentary that, uh, well, I mean, yeah, it's it's still unresolved. I, yeah, I don't think that, the, I mean, it seems unlikely that this alone is what could have led to that. Yeah. But at the same time, it, you know, maybe it's part of a... Uh, a pattern. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, that is such a weird story. It is. And I'm interested to see if we're ever going to get any resolution or is yeah. James Meek just done as a writer and reporter now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said earlier, it does seem like there's a lot of information here that we're missing that sure. I mean, it, I mean, surely it'll come out eventually. Like, but who knows? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, eventually they even with this documentary they mentioned that i think it's the africom report the redactions in that were classified for 25 years Mm -hmm. so it's gonna be a while before we hear anything about this story and probably about james gordon meek too yeah and who in 25 years would even who's gonna care remember yeah anything about this as if we're gonna be a country in 25 years right exactly i mean for sure yeah but like, yeah, the only people who will remember this story in 25 years are the family members yep. of these guys who died. Yeah. Oof, bad times. Bad, bad yeah. times. But I think that's our episode, right? I think so. This is, I would, I would recommend this documentary, especially yeah, if you're, especially if you're a skeptic about the government lying. Like, come on, the government <laughs> lies all the time. Get a life. Yeah. I mean, you listen to this show, you're a skeptic about the government lying. (laughs) Yeah. So what do we have to plug before we get out of here? One thing, you can get yourself a shirt, Conspiracy the Show shirt. Yeah. They are available until November 30th. That is the last day to order them. It's a a pre-sale. Go to unpops.co slash shop. And you can, speaking of redacted, oh, I feel good hopping on that piggybacking on the title of this documentary to promote our shit. (laughs) But there is uh, the Conspiracy the Show redacted document shirt where you can see me and Olivia exactly where the fuck we belong. Right in the middle of a redacted government file (laughs) that you can wear on your chest. Yeah. It's a dope shirt. Highly recommend. It's really cool. And 
we're just kind of we're testing out a new way to do merch and there there might be some kinks. We're going to try and get all of these out by Christmas, like you should have them by Christmas. We're not doing international orders this time because that is a whole nightmare, but they will be available again for international buyers. But the thing is, they won't be available again at this price because mm-hmm. we're just first starting it out. The shirts are a little cheaper than they, they would usually be. So go get one at, at, a, at a bargain. Unpops.co yeah. slash shop. That's all. Hell yeah. That's all I got. I, there was probably <laughs> an ad for that also at some point during this episode. So sorry sure. for doubling up. But Patreon users, you don't hear ads. So you're hearing one now. Olivia, exactly. what else do we have to plug? Uh, well, you can uh, listen to Going Back, our our Lost Rewatch podcast, uh, uh, which uh, I've just been having a blast uh, doing. Very fun. Uh, and uh, all you gotta do is subscribe to the uh, Conspiracy or the Unpops Patreon, and uh, you get you get uh, you get all those, and uh, you can listen, watch along with us. It's a it's a good time. Very good times. Yeah, we're clo- we're closing in on the end of season one, yeah. which means that that pod will be public soon. But in the meantime, yeah. if you subscribe to bonus episodes, you can go listen to that, too. Like a whole extra yeah. thing. You get bonus episodes of this podcast and you get a whole other podcast. What a deal. Nuts. It's nuts. Uh, and you can uh, follow me on the dying platform Twitter. Uh, I, I dar- <laughs> yeah, it's grim. Things things mm-hmm. are looking bad for Twitter. Mm-hmm. It's fun to watch. And I think that's it. Let's get out of here. Olivia, say goodbye. Bye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. People of Earth, your planet is about to be destroyed.